In just a few moments, I'm going to be reading from 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter, the first 10 verses. That page number is listed for you if you want to follow along in a Bible that's there nearby you. Um, The family life sermon series that I've chosen to uh, preach uh, during this season, this Sunday and the next two Sundays, is a difficult one. You know that all during 2018, we've been thinking about that theme of come see what love can do. Uh, But it's important that we be honest about uh, love that gets distorted. And so the title of this series is Twisted Love, Family Secrets, Lies, and Heartaches. And uh, I think it's significant that the wire word love on the screen has barbs on it. Because, you know, wire is a good thing because it creates healthy boundaries. If you know anything about fencing, and I put up my share of fences on the farm, don't want to do that anymore. But uh, wire can also be used to cut and to hurt. And so the whole theme of uh, twisted love means that love, when it is uh, distorted, confused, sometimes it's very painful. And we're going to try to deal honestly with that through the lens of King David's family and his family's failures and their dysfunction and their mess-ups. And we're going to try to be honest about what happens when love gets twisted. Family lies, family secrets, family distortions, and lots and lots of heartache. And uh, this morning, the, the scripture I'm going to read, the setting is that King David has strayed and committed adultery. Uh, with Bathsheba, and he finds out she's pregnant, and in order to try to uh, cover it up, in order to try to uh, uh, hide it, he he goes to great lengths, and, and that plan doesn't work, and so finally he just decides, since he has lots of power as king, he has Bathsheba's husband put on the front line of battle in the hottest part of the battle and make sure that he gets killed. So King David is deluding himself, thinking that this is a huge secret, and uh, yet his sins are found out when the court preacher, Nathan, comes to preach David a special sermon, and that's where we take it up. So if you are able, would you stand, please, as I read aloud from 2 Samuel chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. He brought it up and grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his meager fare, drink from his cup, lie in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, And he was loath to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared that for the guest who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. He said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to him, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. 
I anointed you king over Israel, and I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your bosom, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah, and if that had been too little, I would have added as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house for you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Brene Brown, many of you have uh, watched her on TED Talks, has this famous quote, stories are data with a soul. That is to say that I could stand up here and quote to you statistics about family abuse and about bullying. I could tell uh, you statistics uh, till you were absolutely numb. Or I could tell you stories about abuse and bullying. And that sort of takes on a soul, a life of its own. Uh, Nathan the preacher could have appealed to King David's logic about how wrong he was, but it probably wouldn't have gotten anywhere because King David was lost in a moral fog. Instead, Nathan told him a story. Stories are data with a soul. And this story that he told about this poor man who had only one lamb, a pet lamb, a, a pet ewe, had it taken from him by a man who owned so much. About a bully. He told him the story about a bully. And then, you know, in the old King James, uh, the quote is, after he told the story, Nathan said, Thou art the man. You can just imagine his bony old finger pointing in the king's face. Thou art the man. And the story got to King David. You see... Bullies are people who misuse their power and their privilege in order to harm those who are less privileged and less powerful. So bullying comes in many forms. King David was wealthy. He was privileged position. He was male in a culture that viewed women and children as property. And he took all of his privilege and all of his power and all of his position, and he used them selfishly in a way that bullied other people. Now, to show you how far David had slipped morally, when he arranged to make sure that Bathsheba's husband was killed in battle, he said, take him to the fiercest part of the battle and then back up from him so that the enemy will kill him. When the messenger came back and told King David that indeed Bathsheba's husband was dead, but the messenger said, but King, I got to tell you, a lot of other of our troops got killed too. In chapter 11, verse 25, King David said, ah, no big deal. You know, it's war. Soldier here, soldier there. People die. That just happens. That's where he was morally at that point in his life. A bully. A bully. And somebody who knows the Bible very well is going, whoa, wait a minute, hit pause. I thought 
Another place in the Bible, David is called a man after God's own heart. I thought David is the one who wrote so many of our psalms, and, and in those psalms he, is, he sings about his heart crying out for God and how he wants his heart to be pure and he wants his life to be right. Well, that's true. Same David, not a different one. But guess what? We are never just one thing. We're never just one thing. We're lots of things all jumbled up. We're never pure virtue and we're never pure vice. We're just a, an amalgam of both. And in my years of pastoring, some of the most controlling, bullying, violent people I've known in, in their private lives put the best veneer on it in public. And for a long time, nobody ever knows. Now here's the real irony and sadness about King David's bullying. He was the youngest of eight boys. Need I say more? Don't you suppose that with seven older brothers, there were some time in his life when he got picked on and bullied? He should have known better. He knew what it felt like to be bullied. What's more, before David was king when he was a private citizen, the one who was king, Saul, was jealous of David's success and his popularity, and Saul hounded him, hunted him down like he was a dog, and tried to kill him. Saul, the king, bullied David. He should have known better. He knew what it felt like to be bullied. But guess what? Research shows that sometimes people who are bullied turn out to be bullies. They swallow all that violence, all that abuse, all that mistreatment, and they never deal with their rage. And they pass it on to somebody else. And I want to remind us, in this sermon and all the sermons in this series, abusive behavior is a learned behavior. Bullying is a learned behavior. Nobody is born a bully. Nobody is born an abuser of others. It is a learned behavior. I heard a, uh, a policeman doing a presentation to a large audience one time talking about domestic violence. And he said, you know, when we walk into a situation where a husband has been beating a wife, a man has been beating a woman, he said... Uh, the man often says to us, you know, I've just got this horrible temper and I just can't control it. And then the policeman adds, talking to us, but it's strange how when a 250-pound policeman walks in with a gun on his belt and a nightstick, suddenly the man can control his temper. See? Violence and abuse and bullying are learned behaviors. Early in my ministry, pastoring in a small little town, the phone rang in the middle of the night. I could barely understand the woman on the other end. 
finally figured out what she was saying. She was saying, Marvin is beating me. If somebody doesn't get over here fast, I'm going to kill him. I quickly dressed. I drove to their house. I walked in. And there was Marvin, motionless, on the floor in a pool of blood. But he wasn't dead. He was just dead drunk. He was lying in her blood. Her face was swollen, bleeding, battered. What did Brene Brown say? Stories are data with a soul. Stories make this scourge come alive for us. Ethicists and theologians and Bible scholars are beginning to talk about the fact that abuse is a form of abandonment and that abuse is a form of adultery. Two biblical grounds for divorce, 1 Corinthians 7.15, abandonment, the Apostle Paul says. Jesus said another ground for divorce is adultery, Matthew 5.32. And experts are beginning to talk about the fact that the worst kind of abandonment is abuse, where you would abuse a person you're in a covenant relationship with. The worst kind of unfaithfulness to break covenant would be to be abusive to another human being. That is adultery. That is abandonment. And I want to say very clearly, no one is biblically required to stay in an abusive relationship. And biblical literalists here who pick and choose certain verses can argue with me and I will go toe-to-toe with you at the door or anywhere else. No one is required by Scripture to stay in an abusive relationship. God has called us to something better and to something more than that. Well, I also want to remind us that there are lots of kinds of abuse. Uh, This isn't even the complaint. The, the complete list. There are lots of kinds of bullying. Boys and girls here this morning, don't ever be that playground bully. Take the side of those who are mistreated. Imagine yourself in that position, or maybe you have. Employment bu- bullying. Many of us here today are in employment situations, and we have influence and power over other people, and we need to be sure that we always treat others the way we would like to be treated. Economic and political and social bullying. Policies in place in our country that mistreat and neglect others and actually bully are not fair and right. Not right. Marriage bullying, emotional abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse. I didn't even mention verbal abuse. And in this morning's newspaper, there was an article about bullying in care facilities, senior adults bullying other senior adults in care facilities. And the list goes on and on and on. 
But you know, there's another kind of bullying that is more socially acceptable, that is under the radar, and it's the bullying of controlling behavior, trying to control others through manipulation or verbal abuse or the constant put-down or the constant harangue, trying to decide what's best for others and impose our will on other people. Controllers, a form of bullying, more subtle, less visible, more socially acceptable. And we all have controlling tendencies. We want to make somebody else in our image. It's not healthy, not biblical. So if I could give you today two things as takeaways, take home. Here's the first one. You have a right to feel safe. That's not a privilege that somebody else can or cannot impose upon you. You have a right to feel safe. You are God's creation. You are a beautiful person. You are loved by God. God has a plan for you. God values you infinitely. You are a person of worth and you deserve to feel safe at all times. And this verse has been meaningful to me from Psalm 12, 5, as I've prepared this sermon series. Says the Lord, I will place them in safety for which they long. We all long for safety and God has promised that he will place us in safety. That's a beautiful, beautiful thought. You have a right to feel safe. Here's the second takeaway for us this morning. Imagine with me the difference that Jesus Christ can make in our homes and in our relationships. Now, I know that sounds pious, and I'm a preacher, and you expect me to talk about Jesus, but I'm telling you, Jesus Christ in a relationship and in a home and in a dysfunctional, twisted relationship can make a difference give you a couple of examples. Notice how Jesus always pushed past behavior to motive. He always drilled down past conduct to why we do what we do. Jesus says in Matthew 15, 19, from the heart come evil intentions and murders and adultery. It's from the heart And we could add, from the heart comes bullying and abusive behavior. Jesus knew that if we didn't get our hearts right, nothing else is going to matter. We have to get our hearts right with God and with each other. Jesus also, read the Gospels. Everywhere he went, Jesus treated women with dignity and respect. That was revolutionary for his day. He treated children with dignity and respect. They had no power. They had no rights in that culture. Everybody wasn't taking iPhone pictures of them. They were nuisances in the way. Being trained to be a cog in the machinery of making a living. He valued them. Powerless people. People with no social agency. People with no say-so. He valued them. Jesus Christ can make a difference in homes and relationships. 
And on this Mother's Day 2018, why don't we all make a covenant together that we will live with healthy respect for people who are less powerful than us. That we will never engage in violent behavior or violent speech. And that we will always cultivate healthy boundaries. Because Jesus wants us to take care of the one person we have, the one person we are. And that healthy boundaries are appropriate and biblical. In the name of Jesus, the one who stood up to the bullies of Rome and the Jewish system of abuse. In the name of Jesus who died at the hand of bullies. Let us say together, no more bullying. No more bullying. Let's pray together. Our Lord and God, we come into your presence seeking your face asking you to help us with our relationships. With our heads bowed for just a moment more, I want to invite you to find a way that this message this morning applies to you, whatever those take-homes are, that maybe something new can happen in your walk with God and walk with others. If in the midst of this there's someone who wants to confess Christ, for the first time or inquire about following Christ or coming as a candidate for baptism or coming to join our church or just coming for prayer, we simply will be here at the front during our response time as we sing and uh, you're welcome to come.